Good morning, New Anthem Church. My name is Sherry. I am the ministry coordinator. If you haven't met me before, uh, what I get to do for church is plan and execute all things ministry related. So today is Serve Day. It's an annual event that we've planned since the beginning of our church, and I am blessed to be the one that helps coordinate the event. Because of that, I'm also the one that gets to deliver the message today and share with you the heart of the ministry and why we choose to do what we do. Uh, Before I give you more information about Serve Day, I want to ask you a question. What would you do? Yep, what would you do? ABC in 2008 created a show called What Would You Do? Uh, They put people into some various situations. They hid cameras. They had actors. And they basically played out conflict situations in public settings. And then they would see how people would react to the situations. For the most part, people ignored what was happening, even if it was a really stressful or scary situation. But every once in a while, someone would come forward and stop the the situation from getting worse or interfere in the conflict and make sure that someone's needs were met and someone stayed safe. When I watch the show, most of the time, I hope that I would be the person that would step up and say what's happening is not right and do something to fix the situation. Unfortunately, there are plenty of episodes that I've seen where just watching them made me feel uncomfortable where I might have thought in my head, this isn't safe or this isn't right, but I don't know that I would have stepped forward and stopped it because maybe I'm more concerned about my own safety. Or sometimes I've thought, this has nothing to do with me. I should stay out of somebody else's business. After the scenes uh, were acted out and people stepped in and interfered, ABC would follow up with interviews with these people and ask them why they chose to help. And usually the answers were because of previous experiences, they knew that what was happening wasn't right or because they just felt like they needed to do something. So on serve day, I want to ask you the question, what would you do? It's very easy for us to look on a situation, even in like a service oriented day like today and say, yes, I would step in and help. But when we're presented with the opportunity Do we actually do it or do we look at it and say, someone else will help? They don't really need my help. Um, I'm too busy. It's none of my business. Whatever it may be, we tend to give reasons to not serve on a day like today. So even though Serve Day is one of our favorite events Uh, We're going to spend some time unpacking scripture before we get there. Now, Serve Day is uh, is intentionally set aside on Memorial Day weekend for a reason. Because this is the holiday that we celebrate and thank the people that have served us and served our country. And we want to pay that forward. So a normal Serve Day, which we realize we can't have this year, would include a short message And then a time for volunteer service. This year we're going to do it as small groups. And then, of course, we like to end Serve Day with free food. Because if there's anything I love about New Anthem Church, it's that our love language is food. So with all that information, I want to jump in and I really want to understand what's the point of serving and why is it a big deal? Because some of you are going to listen to this message and think, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I like to serve. 
yeah, I guess it's important. But all you're going to do after this message is done is tuck all of this information away into a mental file and stick it back in there and never access the information again because that's just how we operate. It's just not something we feel comfortable doing. It's just not something we have time to do. Whatever it is, we come up with reasons to believe that serving is beneath us. But I want to challenge you with a point today. And this is what we're going to put in our notes. So if you are taking notes, you can write this down. If serving is beneath you, your purpose is beyond you. I'll say it again. If serving is beneath you, purpose is beyond you. It's easy to come up with excuses why we shouldn't help or why we couldn't help or why we didn't help. I get it. I do it too. Some of our reasons are really legitimate. We're busy. You know, we give excuses. We're busy with work. We're busy with family. Some of us may claim that we've already done our time. We've already served in the past. So we're done doing it now. Whatever it may be. I've heard all of the answers and I've given all of the answers. I mean, look at we're coming off quarantine right now. All I've done in the past nine weeks of my life is work full time, tutor my children full time and cook every single meal of every single day. And I'm going to lose my mind. So because of things like that, we tend to justify the fact that we don't have time to serve others. We can't even take care of ourselves. How are we supposed to take care of other people? Well, you know, this isn't a new problem. We might think it is, but it's not. For 2,000 years, people have been giving reasons to not serve or excuses. Uh, even back in Jesus's day, there were reasons people didn't want to help other people. This is not a new lesson in humanity. I'd like to pick apart one of the stories from scripture to kind of understand how we can serve better and what it really means to us. So if you could turn into Luke 10, we're going to look at uh, verses 25 through 37. So take a moment, get your Bibles, turn there with me. Um, But instead of me reading the scripture to you, I'd rather show you a video put together by Explore God, and that will give us a better frame of reference for the story. Let me tell you a story. There was a time when an expert in the Old Testament stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That is correct, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this story. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They beat him, stripped him of his clothes, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. He saw the man and passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, came to where the man was, saw him, and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in law said, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. You've probably all heard the story of the Good Samaritan before. I mean, it's been told not just in Christian circles, but it's very publicly known. It's on Wikipedia. You know, everybody knows who the Good Samaritan is or what the story is about. But what we need to realize is that usually when we hear this story, we catch ourselves thinking, I'm the Good Samaritan. I'm the one who has the right answers and helps other people. And sometimes when we hear this story, we just think of contextually, as Jesus was telling the story, the question was asked, who is my neighbor? And we spend time unpacking what does it mean to be a neighbor to somebody? But I want to look at the story a little bit differently today. I want to look at the anti-heroes or the villains of the story, which are the Levite and the priest. Um, So while we look at their reaction in the story, I also want us to understand as much as possible in the context of the story. Because sometimes it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes if you don't understand the culture they were living in or the area that they were. So we're going to take a moment to do that. And I want us to jump right in, beginning at verse 30, where Jesus actually starts telling the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Keeping in mind that this is a story of Jesus. This is not an actual event. So he is telling the story to some Jews who are listening. Okay. So in verse 30, Jesus begins telling the parable. He starts by saying, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. We're going to stop right there. First sentence, okay? To understand what happened, we need to picture the journey, right? So he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. A couple of things you need to know about this journey. Number one, it's 25 kilometers long. I don't know if any of you know how long 25 kilometers is, but it's about 15.3 miles. Now, if you are a good runner, you could accomplish this length in about two hours. Pastor Landon could definitely run this course in less than two hours. I have run several 25Ks. I don't consider myself a runner, even though I do it. Um... And it's taken me about two hours and 15 minutes to to complete a course like that. Even with my running training and my running background, um, I need to train for this distance for about 10 weeks. I need to make sure that I have the proper gear to do this race. I would have running shoes. I would have performance clothing. I would worry about my nutrition and my hydration, made sure that I carb loaded before the race and made sure that I had access to water, whether it's aid stations or I carry a water bottle. Whatever it may be, that's about how much time and how much effort you need to put into this distance. Um, For those of you that think running that long is crazy, it is, but... 15 miles is very doable to walk it in one day. So if you 
if you were a slow walker, you could accomplish the distance in 15 miles. Keeping all of that in mind, though, put yourself back 2,000 years. The road is not paved. It is not flat. It is not easy. You are also wearing poor footwear. You're wearing heavy clothing. You're traversing an area that's very rocky. And the weather conditions aren't good either. This path was more like a two-track trail than a paved road. It weaved around rock formations. The elevation change was 1,000 feet between Jericho and Jerusalem. So even that shows that this isn't any Kansas flat territory, you know? The path was so challenging that even when Jesus and his disciples traveled the distance, they were wearied to the point of needing rest. That's how it's documented in scripture. Thinking about the physical condition of that road, what would you do? Would you really stop to help someone along the journey? Or would you focus more on the fact that you wanted to ride your own animal? That you might suffer from dehydration. That you might need rest. That you might have fatigue. That you might not even finish the path while the sun is up. There are a lot of factors considering the physical conditions of this journey. Not only is it just physically demanding, it's also a treacherous trek. It wasn't uncommon for thieves to hide among the rocks, just like the story where robbers attacked the man and left him on the side of the road for dead. But if there's not robbers, there's wild animals. So basically, there is no place for a nervous person along this path. I couldn't help also but wonder if I were listening to the story or making the decision if I were going to help someone or not. I can hear the voice of my husband saying, don't stop by the side of the road. Don't help anybody. They're only out to get you. And so I wouldn't feel comfortable stopping and helping someone that needed help because I would be concerned about my own physical health. And finally, you might catch yourself thinking, I don't have the resources to help this man. I can't put him on my animal's back and then walk the eight or nine miles left in the distance by myself. I'm physically unable to walk eight or nine miles. I would have issues. Um, We might be thinking, too, that I don't have the financial resources to help the man. Whatever it may be, after one sentence of this parable... We can already see how many excuses or reasons we can come up with not wanting to help the man who was attacked on the road. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus next mentions that a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. When we hear this, we usually think, shame on these men for not helping Why would they choose to pass along on the other side? Clearly, they're stuck up or they don't think any better of helping someone. Uh, But we need to remember, Jews had a law that they followed. And not only did Jews have a law in a higher standard of calling, the priests and the Levites had even greater of a higher standard of living. 
Numbers 18, it records all of the responsibilities of the priests and the Levites. They were special people in God's sight. They had very specific jobs in the Old Testament when the Israelites were in the desert and even when they settled in the promised land. They were to take care of the tabernacle and eventually the temple. They were the ones that interceded for the sins of the people before God. So when we look at that, Levites were the group of people from the tribe of Levi. Priests came from that tribe and they had even a higher calling. If a priest was declared unclean, he was removed from all of his duties. Basically, he'd get fired from his job. The Levite, maybe his uh, requirements were not as stringent as a priest's, but he would also have to remove himself from his line of work until his period of uncleanness was over. So in summary, these two men in this story were just following the letter of the law. For both of these men, it seemed that their calling um, to their to their roles with serving the temple were of higher priority than helping the man that was left on the road. At this point, the audience is probably engaged in the story, wondering what's going to happen. Because so far, yes, it makes sense to not stop and help. It would remove the priest and the Levite from their calling. It's not a safe path. You shouldn't be walking that path anyway, and you certainly shouldn't stop and help somebody else. It's easy for us to do the same, isn't it? It's easy for us to put priorities or purposes that we have in life in front of stopping and caring for somebody else. You know, I think things for myself, even like helping right now doesn't fit into my calendar. My calling in life is to serve my husband first and my children second. And I don't want helping other people to get in the way of that calling. Now we get to the point of the story where Jesus flips the script on his listeners because we already discovered the legitimate reasons for people not stopping and helping. And now Jesus provides us with who does stop and help? Who is the hero of the story? And in verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan, okay? Now for us, that doesn't mean a whole lot. For the, but for the Jews listening, Samaritans were less than. They were not worthy of any of the Jews' time or effort. They had no respect for this group of people. And for good reason. Samaritans were people that were living in the northern tribes of Israel starting around 722 BCE. These people decided that they didn't want to travel to Jerusalem to worship God anymore. They didn't want to have to go to the temple to make their sacrifices. They wanted to do it in their own land. So they created a new spot to worship God at the Mount of Gerizim. And that's where they worshiped. Now, in the process of making this choice to worship there, they also kind of changed their laws. They wanted standards that were easier to follow. So basically, Samaritans were living a skewed version of Judaism. They were unholy. They were changing God's law and God's word to fit their own lifestyle. Because of this, the Jews looked down on the whole population. So much so that at the end of this story, after Jesus finishes telling the parable, he asks the man... At the beginning of the story, he says, who is the one who proved to be the neighbor? The lawyer, the Jewish lawyer, does not even respond with the word Samaritan. He says, 
the one who showed mercy. And from that, we can see that it was painful for the Jews to even acknowledge that the Samaritans were worthy to be the hero of the story. Do we ever treat people the way Jews treated Samaritans back in the day? Are there ever circumstances or times that you catch yourself judging someone else as being less than because they don't live a holy life like you do or because they don't know Jesus or because they don't have the same political leaning as you? You know, in times of COVID, it's very easy to make rash judgments and decisions based on what we know and how we feel and to disregard how anybody else feels or what anybody else says. It's easy for us to have personal opinions and think that they're more important than loving someone else. When I choose to do this, I'm no different than the Pharisees listening to the story that Jesus is telling. Yet the people that I might not agree with is the same person that Jesus highlights in the story as the hero of the parable, even though they have a lower standard of living. And so this just proves to us that God's purpose extends beyond rules. And it gets to the matter of the heart, which is loving other people. Okay, now getting back to the story, we have to wrap up the story. Uh, The focal point of the story is that one man comes along. One man chooses to serve. Verses 33 through 35 paint it in detail. He takes care of the man's wounds. He uses his personal supplies to medically treat this man. He sacrifices his own comfort of riding an animal so he can carry the almost dead man. And he chooses to physically walk alongside. And not only that, He uses his financial resources to make sure that this man is taken care of until he has a full bill of health. All of this shows that if serving is beneath you, purpose is beyond you. The priest and the Levite totally miss their opportunity to serve and their true calling in life. Living a legalistic life like the Levite and the priest did, following religious rules, It means nothing if they choose to walk by someone that's hurting. The priest and the Levite should have understand that even though their life's calling was to work for God, that it means nothing unless it comes from the heart. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Do we need that reminder? Do we need to remember that serving God should not be something that we feel obligated to do, but something that we love to do out of the kindness of our heart because we see compassion on other people. Your purpose is not separate from your service. That's all there is to it. Love is leveling. Anyone can choose to help someone. Jesus shattered our perception of class and division by illustrating serving others as an act of love. We're not called to only love people that are like us or only other Christians. We are called to love, period. Your purpose is twofold. You're to love God and you're to love others. That's it. Uh, John records for us in the gospel, Jesus's words describing this love. He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You see what this means? Jesus loves you. 
Jesus served you. Jesus died on the cross, not only as a gift of salvation to allow you to have a right, right relationship with God, but also as a demonstration of what service might look like when we love each other. If that's not a true act of love and a true act of service, I don't know what is. You know, you might catch yourself searching your whole life for meaning and purpose when you have daily opportunities to live out your purpose. So some of you might be wondering, what are those daily opportunities? I'm glad you asked. There are four ways that we can live out our calling and serve other people. Step one is prayer. Step one is always prayer. God needs to work in our hearts. God can't work through you unless he works in you first. So when you think about serving, if you think about the fact that maybe you've given excuses your whole life for helping somebody else, maybe God hasn't done the work in your heart that he needs to do. So let's take a quick time out real quick right now. If you've never confessed that Jesus is Lord, if you've never accessed his free gift of salvation, I want you to do that right now. Romans 10, 9 reminds us that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you want to take a moment right now and accept that free gift of salvation, just confess those sins to God. Recognize that he is Lord. He is in control. You're not and accept that gift of salvation and you will be made new. God will work in your heart in order to work through you. Now we need to remember to not discount prayer. Prayer changes lives. Prayer is our connection to God directly. So take some time and make sure that you are praying because praying is serving. Step two, change your perspective. You know, it's really easy to get caught up in thinking everything is about us. Sometimes we just need to change our perspective. Life isn't about you. Even though during times of quarantine, it's pretty obvious to me that by nature, I am a selfish person. I think everything's about me. I think a bad day where my world's falling apart, that no one else could possibly be experiencing that. It's just personal to me. I need to change my perspective. I need to recognize that God has a bigger purpose for me and he can use me in other people's lives. Now, some of you are very good at being in tune with other people's needs and good for you. Keep that up. Keep serving people with that gift of intuition. But some of you might be more like me. You might find that it's hard to understand a different perspective. So I want you to take time. I want you to slow down. I want you to ask questions. And instead of just asking questions in a conversation with someone, I want you to actually listen to what their response is. And don't just listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they aren't saying. It will change your perspective when you start thinking about what other people's needs and wants are instead of just your own. So take a moment to change your perspective. Shane Claiborne shares this thought with us. Perhaps there is no more dangerous place for a Christian to be than a place of safety and comfort, detached from the suffering of others. So don't pay attention only to what you have or what you want. Focus on other people. Your third daily opportunity, and this is a big one. Do something. Go 
do something. It seems so simple, but sometimes we are just overwhelmed by the opportunities there are to serve. So instead of doing something, we do nothing. God isn't calling you to change the world. Well, he might. He might call you to change the world. But God is calling you to get up off the couch and do something. You have gifts, skills, and abilities that nobody else has. God created you to be a 10 in some area. And so you need to use that to help and serve other people. There are opportunities all around you. Simply asking the question, how can I help? It might not change the world, but it could change somebody's life. Remember, New Anthem Church has a passion to help you connect to your purpose. And so we want to see you be able to use your gifts, skills, and abilities to impact somebody else by doing something. And then finally, a daily opportunity that's presented is to be generous. Live generously. And I'm not just talking financially. Although if you can be financially generous, that is a great gift to have. But I'm talking about generosity of spirit. Are you generous in your heart? Are you generous with your attitude? Do you choose to be selfless, to serve somebody else sacrificially? If you see a neighbor that can't do something physical, like climb a ladder to clean out the gutters, are you willing to walk over there and make it happen even without being asked? Are you willing to drive to the grocery store and pick up groceries for someone that's high needs? Are you willing to serve your family with a good attitude? All of these things affect our generosity. I want you to start to think through what are some ways that I can impact the people around me with my generosity. If it is financially great, maybe God set you up with financial wisdom, however many years, so that you could bless somebody else during this time of need. That is an amazing way to be generous. Now that you have your four steps, it's time to get going. It's time to go make a difference in this world. And it all starts today. You can start serving so that purpose isn't beyond you. But what we want you to remember is that serve day is not a one-time opportunity that you check off your list annually. It's something that you live daily. It's the right heart attitude when you enter that relationship with Christ and you make sure that you love other people by serving them. New Anthem Church is about connecting people to purpose, and we do this with how we serve other people. You know, I've been a part of a lot of churches and nonprofits over the years, and I'm still floored with the attitude of the people at New Anthem Church. You're my people. You're my family. And you love to help and you love to serve. And we want to make sure that this trend continues outside of our doors, that we can make a difference in this community, that Park City will be a different place because we choose to love and serve. What if we actually served and people saw Jesus through our actions? What if when we saw opportunities, we thought of Jesus while we were serving? How would that change our world? How would that change our situation? How would it change our families? Take a moment today and make sure that serving is a part of your purpose. Dr. Martin Luther King reminds us that everybody can be great because everyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. 
You don't have to make your subject and verb agree in order to serve. You just need to have a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. That's the attitude we want to have when we go out and we serve today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Serve Day. Thank you for Memorial Day weekend where we have the freedoms that we do because of the people that sacrificed for us, Lord. And we just pray that we can also sacrificially serve other people because of the the debt that you paid for us, Lord. And help us to not forget that, but to live that out daily. I pray that if anybody listening to this video right now feels that serving is beneath them, Lord, that there's always a reason to not want to serve. God, I pray that you work in their heart and help them to see that they're missing out on their true calling and their true purpose, Lord, for how you wired them to use their gifts and abilities to impact other people. I just pray that today can be a good day, that today we can serve you wholeheartedly, and it'll be the first step of many where we live at our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Have fun serving.